quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 194 of Channel Massive. Woo-hoo. You got Mark Gano in this episode. Dynamic duo. Yep. We're ready to rock. We have spent a lot of time planning this episode. That is correct. And, and experimenting with audio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make my latest godforsaken pair of head, godforsaken headset to work and not succeeding. We are still trying to puzzle out the myst- mysteries and intricacies of the compatibility with Plantronics' new line of DSP headsets. Well, any headset, frankly. Well, Every headset we've used. Any headset Noah buys. Whether it's Siberia, Round Blaster, or Plantronics. Only the Only the ancient five-year-old POS headsets that are mine are falling apart. A weapon forged in the ancient fires Uh, in the lands of Mordor. So you've probably heard us bitch about headsets a million times but that's because we always go through this right before we record the show yeah. so it's fresh on our minds and we are angry and bitter as angry always oh, angry yeah. so that should make for a great show makes for a bitter pill to swallow yeah, yeah if you want to share your anger with us send it to mail m-a-i-l at channelmassive.com now something else we're kind of curious is it turns out the gods of fortune have smiled upon us and we're going to be able to go on a vacation this year yes and well, we call it research, but well, some would refer to it as vacation. Yes, yes. It will. It will be very be a working vacation. Yes. <laughs> no. No. Yes. No. Lots and lots of work. I have a plenty of E3 Night, working vacations. We will have a podcast every fifteen minutes. We will be live <laughs> blogging. No, we won't. <laughs> I am Not done we, with those vacations. The royal, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're trying to choose between is Pax Prime over in Seattle. Or Dragon Con over in Atlanta. They both occur on the same weekend, Labor Day weekend of this year, in their respective wonderful cities. We're curious if any of you out there are going to either of these shows, and particularly if you're going to Dragon Con or if you have gone to Dragon Con in the past, can you please illuminate for us the selling points for that show? Because we cannot get through their craptacular website right. to figure it out. We can tell there's a bajillion things going on and there's lots of costumes, but yeah, that's about it. It's like looking into the mouth of madness or something. It's Circa or 2004. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's so hard to make it out. It's like I get like, um, you know, processor overload and just kind of shut down and reboot when I try to like rock yeah. it. So, so implicitly that means... We're leaning toward PAX. Because that's the easier option. Yeah. We can wrap our head around that. Yeah. We can compare Seattle and Atlanta superficially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another thing is, what is there cool to do in Atlanta? We kind (laughs) of get Seattle, but in Atlanta, we're just not really sure. We know there's an aquarium that's really cool. We know there's an aquarium, and we know we can go find the real housewives of Atlanta and, like, walk around their yards. (laughs) But, um, for a while, before the attack dogs get us. (laughs) Other than that, we're not really quite sure what to do. And so 
being uninformed and knowing that we have listeners all over the world yeah. who probably know these things intimately. Jet setters. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. At mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. <laughs> <laughs> this is the magic of recording in person. It is. You were right. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be playing, you know, a game while talking. But this way, you can keep me honest. That's right. Stay on yeah. task. And I've already put the guitar down, which is for the benefit of all mankind. But And in the tradition of our last few episodes, we are starting out this episode with an intro getting with lots of bite-sized, at least we hope they are bite-sized topics. Easily digested. Last episode, I think our our intro getting lasted 45 minutes. Right. Each one has successively been longer. Right. This time, that will not be the case. This will be less than 45 minutes. We will hope for it. Isn't that what they, in ancient days, like... Didn't drinks that were served before dinner called digestives or something like that? Oh, that's right. There was some kind of weird that's, name for it. That's the alternate name for the intro getting that we will never use. Yes. There you have it. <laughs> and you can have some absinthe as well if you would like. So, anyway. Now, what's cool is that we actually got some intro getting topic ideas from Southern Fried Scott. From the South. Who, who we hope to have <laughs> on the on show soon. again soon, but we didn't yeah. want to drop it on him at the last second yeah it would have been kind of shocking probably especially given the the time difference yeah <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair so right in the meanwhile because we did it last time in spirit yeah <laughs> that was kind of rude that was rude hey dude <laughs> podcast assuming you don't have anything better to do so just show up at eight thirty mountain standard time <laughs> yeah so he brought up a few things that are pretty entertaining the Nefarious Worlds Incorporated, who I thought we had been rid of after they sued NCSoft years ago. I, too, thought for they were done. creating an online world. And then NCSoft, of all the freaking things they did, they settled with them out of court. You know, that was the thing. I thought at the time with NCSoft, I thought, well, you know, they're kind of a company owned by, you know, people in another country. So exactly. maybe they're a little out of touch with the legal system. And maybe they their pockets deal with were just it. flush with money at the time. And they thought, you know what? Let's just buy these people yeah let's just buy our way out of this problem it's kind of like the michael jackson i didn't touch children kind of thing <laughs> had lots of money just get it over with not to say that he was a pedophile just saying it's highly likely he was a pedophile <laughs> but anyway um moving on moving on away from that pedophile yes please um, we will <laughs> 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 You feel free to edit around my dislike of Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, we'll leave it in there. Oh, for the great. Now I'm going to get hate mail and, and lots of MP3s with all his best recordings. Mama say, Mama Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll throw in a Michael Jackson song. Yeah, just beat it. This. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway. Worlds Incorporated. Worlds Inc. Back Patent on Trolls. Back on subject. Suing Act. Division. Yeah, now they have decided. Apparently, they have tried to revisit or reopen the case against NCSoft because there was concern that if they could win against NCSoft, they could win that would set the precedent anyone. for them to sue all online. And guess where they're numbers. heading? And, and they, they, I remember that patent visitor. when we covered it last time. It was so vague and open and yeah, non- online worlds with people that can it's interact. Basically, with each other. like IRC chat. Yeah, or you know, any kind of IM basically is considered oh, yeah. suable, which you know, or you know. Up for uh, up for debate, I guess. But yeah, so they're after Activision for World of Warcraft and Call of Duty, right? Which I don't even get the latter. 
Well, be, because the online multiplayer is so prolific for Call of Duty. And now that Activision charges for it, charges a bonus membership with additional features. Do you think they were like thinking, hey, there's one gaming company that's making money right now that has some kind of multiplayer. Let's go after them. Yeah. Anyway, Southern Fried Scott writes in with his own comment on the story. Ha ha ha. Like Blizzard is not going to chew them up and spit them out. Well, we're, you know, Blizzard is known for their attack lawyers. I can only imagine Activision's attack lawyers are actually fed by digesting the little Blizzard uh, attack lawyers. Kind of like the biggest fish wins. So should be. I guess that'd be... If the if the Blizzard attack lawyers are sharks, then the Activision lawyers are megalodons, which I think were like the giant prehistoric sharks. I like this quote from the World's Incorporated CEO, Thomas Kidron, who said, While we are pleased to see that the gaming industry and its rapidly growing customer base have enthousi- enthusiastically embraced our patented technologies, oh. we deserve fair compensation for their use. Yeah, I bet if you look back at it, Far enough, some company like Xerox probably actually has a patent predating theirs and will be like, okay, son of a bitch, now it's time to pay us for this. I hope the Blizzard shuts them down. I hope they do, too. I I hope they countersue and just destroy them. They're like, we're countersuing you for being, you know, pricks. (laughs) And yes, you can't deny it. So, (laughs) yeah. Also, much like when we went after WoW Glider, how's your girlfriend doing? She lives at such and such. Which does your wife know about your girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) Scott wrote in with other stuff as well. Yeah, there's a new study about violent video games from Sweden. Yeah, home of violence. Yeah, and this is from theescapist.com. After spending hundreds of hours playing and watching others play online, a research team from the University of Gothenburg or Gothenburg in Sweden says the very validity of the question that is video games calling causing violent action may be in question as it turns out let's see it basically said that team-based online games encourage people to work together as a team and that good players goals yeah are strategic and knowledgeable and the people who are rude and antisocial and not cut out for interacting with other people are poor gamers and so to quote the researcher Jonas Iverson the suggested link between games and aggression is based on the notion of transfer which means that knowledge gained in a certain situation can be used in an entirely different context the whole idea of transfer has been central in education research for a very long time the question of how a learning situation should be designed in order for learners to be able to use the learned material in real life is very difficult and has no clear answers. In a nutshell, we're questioning the whole gaming and violence debate since it's not based on a real problem, but rather on some hypothetical reasoning. So the Escapist Magazine story wraps up with the question, just because there's been a rise in violent video games, there hasn't been a corresponding rise in violence among youth. Right. And so therefore, are people just pointing fingers in the wrong place? Sure seems like they kind of came up with a good conclusion and then started working on facts to support them. Yeah. Whereas these guys actually did something factual and, you know, a legitimate, you know, kind of 
analysis and came to a totally different conclusion because they didn't have a preconceived notion of what their results should be. Yeah. Which is actually what we call science. <laughs> science um, is fun. Which is what may way better than feelings and what your gut tells you. So, <laughs> you know, kudos to the Swedish uh, uh, escapist magazine for that. That's pretty cool. I yeah. think it totally makes sense. I've, we've said it over and over again, you know, that, you know, if anything, these video games kind of playing them give you advantages. You have to socialize when it's multiplayer. You know, even though the rules are very different and it's a very different environment because yes. people are at their worst, you still have to figure out how to make it work to be effective. Yeah, yeah. And, that's so true. And, uh, you know, it does teach you things and it can be good. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's great. I believe it. The last tidbit that Scott called out is a very funny case of trolling from the creators of Penny Arcade themselves in response to notorious PR debacle Paul Cristoforo from Ocean Marketing. Earlier in the previous year, he turned into a super asshole dealing with somebody who was making a request slash complain about some video game hardware, a joystick that wasn't functioning correctly, and the guy, Paul Cristoforo, wrote some really rude and offensive responses back to this customer and just got blown out of proportion, and Penny Arcade got involved, and it was this big drama that you can read plenty on. <laughs> oh, but my gosh. Cristoforo, even though Penny Arcade kind of moved on, Cristoforo didn't, and he continued to taunt and gripe at Penny Arcade because the Penny Arcade founders who are Mike Krahulik and Robert Koop. They banned him from all PAXs. Right? Yeah, they banned him from all the PAXs. And he's like, oh yeah, well I'm going to come to PAXs. You just watch. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. And so he started tweeting photos on his Twitter account. This Christopher guy. I'm at PAX. Check out all these photos. I'm here. You can't find me, huh? I dare you to try to question the validity of these photos and the penny arcade finder's like wow check this out he's somehow posting these photos and kind of acting like they don't know what's going on but as it turns out they're like wait these actually aren't being tweeted from the event they're actually being tweeted from a cell phone in california <laughs> and then it turns out it's like oh someone's actually taking pictures at the event, sending, sending them to Christopher and Christopher is then posting it on his Twitter as if he were there. Right. But then the best part was this person that was sending photos to Christopher was working along with the PAX right. people all, all along. along. And so it was a whole setup. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is Christopher didn't even understand what the hell was going on at first. Right. And people had to explain it to him oh what was gosh. going on. And at first he tried to cover it up and he lied. He's like, well, well, someone was just taking pictures at the exact same place at the exact same time right. as I was and was sending them around and stuff like that. And and then he realized what had happened, that he had been had to the max. And he has said some horrible, hateful things because that's about the only thing he apparently can do. It's funny, too, that they had to explain it. They're like, well, Christopher, you're a tool. And because you're a tool, you're <laughs> universally hated. And as a universally hated tool, people are going to want to take advantage of you. And because you're a tool, that's easy for people to do. While you're opinionated and, and loud, like most tools, 
You're also very <laughs> easy to fool. So the best part is he didn't even understand what was happening to yeah. him the whole time. It's, yeah. It's awesome. I love it. So thank you very much, Southern Scott, for all those excellent topics for our Intergeton. We have a few more to go through, though. That's correct. First of all, Mark, you've talked many times about Rocksmith, your favorite new music game from Ubisoft. Yeah, I didn't know it was just blatant off of this other game, though. You know, well, actually, a DVD Learnistum <laughs> is in no way similar and in no way different from, say, the interface for Rock Band or Guitar Hero, except it's run on a DVD, which can be on a Mac or B but it doesn't actually read in anything that I note-wise to tell you if you're actually doing right or wrong. It's just a way of, um, well, actually, let me start at the beginning. So Ubisoft is being sued. Um, this showed up in the Patent Arcade site. Um, they're being sued for patent infringement by a company called, the product called Our Apprentice, mm-hmm. which is a video-based tutorial that can be downloaded on a computer or purchased on a DVD. But it is in no way interactive, yet they're claiming that their patent covers the interface by which Rocksmith displays the notes you're supposed to play. Well, having looked at it, I don't see a whole lot of similarities other than there's a fretboard and little notes that are identified. So whoever actually came up with tablature, which is the way to show the notes on a guitar uh, fretboard, as Uh opposed to actually showing the notes on a staff, should go after everybody that's made anything <laughs> similar to this because that's you know kind of the root of the yeah the interface yeah. but yeah i mean there is no analysis of the notes you're playing which is the huge innovative feature for rocksmith um but the patent text kind of discovers it yeah covers that but the actual product guitar apprentice doesn't doesn't at all right but then that's not all is that rocksmith or ubisoft's also being sued by game tank over the technology and then there's a uk band called Rocksmith that's sitting over the name. <laughs> Beset on all sides oh, yeah. from trolls. It's really funny, uh, you know, that you mentioned a band because there are so many bands that have the same name because they never think that anyone else that has the name, you know, if you're not like in a in a, you know, the Billboard's top 100, they think it's just free, you yeah. know, to take the name and it's really funny when you try to track down you know with all these indie bands that are now now you can actually hear indie music really easily it's accessible but there's a lot of bands with the same damn name and it's really complicated to figure out you're like <laughs> oh man which? like oh they made some other music but wait no i was expecting this band black wizard to be like stoner metal and instead it's like nothing but reggae dubstep combinations <laughs> of um children's songs about strawberry shortcake you know it's like you know it's really funny so you know with with names and stuff like that it's it's i don't know i think it's kind of silly it's a silly thing to claim that but we'll see what happens i don't know what do you think do you think they'll make it i i don't know historically of of, of many legal things that you has dealt with before i'm pretty though that like activision and electronic arts that they are more than capable in defending themselves in court and they should be all right, if not able to settle it. I just get concerned that this will make put a damper on Rocksmith getting further oh, content or sequels. Yeah. If it's causing so much legal troubles and it hasn't been that huge of a hit to begin with. I know, and I love that game too. If I were Ubisoft, to would be like, oh, let's just can this. I know, but it's so good. It's such a step in the right direction that obviously 
uh, harmonics guys aren't following for rock band, but maybe there's hope because they're Ubisoft, so they are French, and they will smoke a cigarette, and they will eat a croissant, and they will say, fuck you. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Peter Molyneux. Speaking of French sounding. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he does. Uh, I've always, I used to always think that he was French, but he's not. It's French sounding, though. Yes, it's totally. That way he's English, however. But he also quit. Is he English or does he have a little French in him? <laughs> he, he <laughs> might. I'm sorry. Have that. <laughs> so, weeks ago, he announced that he was leaving Lionhead Studios, which was a studio that he founded to create games like Black and White and BC, which of course was canceled. And there, of course, is all the Fable game are the Fable games. And all of a sudden, he's like, "Guess what? I'm quitting." I'm going to start another studio. This would be the third one because he also started, or maybe the fourth one, he also started uh, Bullfrog. Right. Which made Syndicate and Which was way cool. It's Great games. It's funny how he describes his experiences with Microsoft as like a padded cell. A padded creative cell. Yeah. And that they were too, they were concerned about his ergonomics too much and that he just had to be very safe and very nice and that he actually... Even though he always put himself at the forefront in terms of talking about the game design for Fable, he didn't really. He, he apparently didn't, he didn't even have work much on involvement. Him. It just had his name, which is crazy. I mean, to come out and say that now. Yeah, and then he, of course, was extremely disappointed about the interactive child demo, right. Milo, which was used to demonstrate the possibilities with Connect. And I remember that was really stunning. Yeah. But of course, it's like, how do you sell that as a game? And the conservative suits over at Microsoft understandably said, we don't know how to do that. Yeah. We're canceling this. And he was really upset about that. We don't know how to make games work, but if we do know one thing, we do know how to cancel games here at Microsoft. But now apparently he's sitting pretty at his new 22-can studio with lots of venture capital that gives him plenty of time to be yeah, really creative and just kind of experiment. Crazy. Sounds like they're going to experiment and just kind of throw... Blow some throw money. a bunch of ideas on the wall like spaghetti noodles and see what sticks and yeah be, but, if I were the v, if I was the VC behind that I'd be like now wait a minute fuck I'm a venture capitalist I'm not like an angel investor or anything here I'm expecting cash money not cool like experimental stuff people are like listening to bands from Woodstock and smoking crack well, <laughs> You know, I I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I I hope it works out well for him. So he well, and, and of course his stereotypical bravado is there because he says that his new company will quote change, change the, the world, world, just like the Segway did. Hopefully, yes. And he said that the game that he's making will be truly multiplayer, accessible, and amazing for everyone. And he's drawing inspiration from Minecraft and World of Warcraft. Wow, that's crazy. As well, usual, big, big words. Big. From one of the biggest exaggerators out there. I know. Let's hope he can measure up to his boasts. Not to say that those previous games were were bad or a little, or, or hugely disappointing. They were still good. Right. But he does always have a problem with the... He oversells a little. Overselling. Undercommits. Yeah. Or under delivers. It's kind of the opposite of what you want. Um, yeah. Also, apparently the opposite of what people want 
is Games for Windows Live integration for the port of Dark Souls that's coming to PC. You know, I don't think anybody likes games for Windows. And there's a lot of stuff that Microsoft does do right that, you know, the Unix guy in me, like, does never gives them credit for, but which I use every day. Like, you know, I like their mail server and the way it integrates with everything and Outlook and Microsoft Office and Windows 7. You know, all things to be thankful for. But man, Games for Windows Live is horrible. I hate Games for Windows. Anything where you have to you like use your same login as you use for your Xbox, it just seems might in complexity. Something always seems to go wrong that shouldn't go wrong. It should be easy. It's never easy. There's always some... It seems like you always have to reset your password 300 times. <laughs> Inevitably, something horrible happens. I just... I agree with them 100%. There's better ways to handle DLC, like the Steam Works thing or something, you know, from Valve. Any, which I think that's what they're begging for, right? If, yeah. If you're going to do DRM. They're like, you, if, you, if you're going to do this, don't. Don't. Or at least offer a Steam alternative. You know, and Microsoft's been trying to say that their Games for Windows Live platform would rival Steam, and so far it's... Origin's doing a better job of that. Yeah, than even, even EA might be closer. Direct to Drive certainly is the closest, but yeah, not not good. So gamers have gotten together and put a petition out on Change.org that already has thirteen thousand signatures, probably even more now at the time that you hear this. So <laughs> perhaps the subtitle of the PC edition of Dark Souls: Prepare to Die is going to be ironic for more ways than one. So our, our check from Microsoft just arrived as I had just finished reading that, and so now there will be 2,999 signatures instead of 13,000. 12,000. God, I can't do math. You know what? I'll just shut up now and <laughs> beg you to edit that out. Nope. Please. Please. <laughs> I don't have The people have that. the right to hear me not sound like a buffoon. Of course, that might be all of the podcast gone, just the commercials. <laughs> And, of course, to wrap up our introgeddon, more oh, yes. Mass Effect stories! Woohoo! I think you will all thank us for not making this a roundtable topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which we've only done it, once. It needed to be said, but it's yes. not. we shouldn't be talking about it for two hours. No. <gasps> <laughs> so, first of all, potential grounds for legal issues, I'm not sure, but the Better Business Bureau decided to just throw a little blog post out there claiming that BioWare may have falsely advertised its game Mass Effect 3. So the, let's see, Marjorie Stevens, who's the director of marketplace services at the Better, Bu Better Business Bureau, wrote in her blog, the issue at stake here is, did BioWare falsely advertise? Technically, yes, they did. And she quoted some of the marketing text that was used to promote the game originally, such as experience the beginning, middle, and end of an emotional story unlike any other, where the decisions you make completely shape your experience and outcome. And Marjorie said, there's no indecision in that statement. It is an absolute. <laughs> and then she also noted that in the marketing and selling the way your choices drive powerful outcomes, including relationships with key characters, the fate of entire civilizations, and even radically different ending scenarios. But, uh... Well... <laughs> those cupcakes from the other week seem to suggest that the ending scenarios are 
quite similar. If this is true, I think that I can't believe it's not butter slogan <laughs> will be in big trouble because I can believe that margarine is not butter and <laughs> and I don't know that I'm going to buy it. No, nor do I think that, you know, Fabio will appear if you get that other margarine project. Oh yeah, I forgot about and, that. So, Fabio. So anyway, it, doesn't it seem a little weird that the Better Business Bureau is going after marketing slogans? Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's kind of mind-boggling. Well, I wonder if it's because consumers have actually submitted complaints to that, them. That has to be it, like the grassroots effort to send yeah. cupcakes and do other stupid shit. Punish them, punish them! Make them pay for this abomination that's <laughs> ruined my life! I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to do this! I'm, gonna, I'm empowered now and you're not! Um, do you imagine that, shit. like, somewhere at, like, a Bioware headquarters on the, like, door, there's always that little glass rectangle next to it in an office entrance, and in there are all their little accolades and sticker format, and the very bottom is their Better Business Bureau one, and right when this came out, somebody from the Better Business Bureau came out with a little scraper, and was like, <laughs> you can't have this anymore, you're no longer worthy, and that was, like... You know, the saddest day ever. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what went through my mind. I can definitely <laughs> see it. It's, I, I can visualize that happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking it back. But that's not all the bull crap that Bioware is having to deal with with respect to Mass Effect 3 <laughs> this week. Also, Sony decided that the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer challenges are not going to be allowed on the PlayStation 3. They have to just be approved to run... And apparently Sony is like, nope, we need to come to an agreement on this. Wow. Now, these multiplayer challenges are just meant to be weekend events that encourage people to get into the multiplayer. And they've been running since the game launched on 360 and PC. But for some reason, Sony has not yet approved them. I don't know why. Right. I don't get it. It seems kind of weird. Maybe somebody at Sony is like a really big fan of Bioware 3 and was expecting an epic ending that changed the world and they had input over the beginning, middle, and end and it just didn't all come together for them. So this is so their, their way passive of aggressive responses. Your multiplayer challenges aren't going to be allowed. Because I work for Sony, I can't afford the cupcakes. So instead, I'll just <laughs> cancel your stuff. I'll make arbitrary rules that you can't possibly get through. I don't know. It's strange. It's definitely like the wrath of the Bioware fan base week, month, year. It's the year of the angst towards Bioware, I swear. It's really weird. I can't think of the last time that this has happened. I mean, there's yeah. always been general discontent. Yeah. Where people are like, gosh, I hate Valve for is, not making Half-Life 3. This is like a full-on revolt. Yeah, this is way over the top. Way, way, way over the top. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. Listeners, let us know what you think. Have you participated in any of the angry petitions? Did you go to Paxi and want to tell us about that? Yeah, we'd love to hear about that one. Let us know. Mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmaster.com. Now we will continue forth from the Intergeddon into some terrific feedback. We'll tell you what we've been playing this last week. And then we have two roundtable discussions. First of all on another Bioware property, Dragon Age. Ha ha ha! It's Dragon still Age not over. 3. Because we love games with 3 in the title. Dragon Age 3. 
And then we're going to talk about sexy time adults on adult only games to wrap it up. Now we make it to sexy time. <laughs> Tall and thin and young and lovely, the girl from Ipanema goes walking. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Hey listeners, we have had a co-host on before a couple times, Jeff. He actually wrote in. He's catching up and had some feedback in on episode 192, so a couple episodes ago, and said, I'm finally catching up on my backlog of episodes. It was splendid to hear Mark's praise regarding Ready Player One. Noah, let the peer pressure consume you. You must read this book. There are so many layers of potential interest, most notably gaming. Also, I'm glad you were able to experience Journey. As you said, the player can walk away from that game having truly felt something. Hyperbole be damned. <laughs> I gained a fresh perspective of things after playing Journey. That said, some of that feeling was lost when, in the end, my companion's PSN names were ever so delicately presented to me. Thanks for the wonderful and movie, moving Journey. Triple X underscore Mega Boobies underscore 78. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I also fear that, well, that I, I've, I've played through the game twice so far and that actually hasn't happened. There's been some goofy player names. But what's cool is it doesn't ruin the actual game. You don't see it until you've gone through the whole game, right. all of the credits have played, and it's the very last thing that you see is the names of the people who are with you. It doesn't come in anywhere before that. And so that's what I like is it kind of still keeps it pure. That's cool definitely a really great game i need to i want to keep playing so i can get the white each time that you play the game the character that you use to play the game gets more and more detail to their garment their Uh robe so it's really cool when you play if you see someone that has a lot of detail in the robe you know that that's someone who's played many times before Oh, interesting yeah but there's a pinnacle that can be reached like a really maxed out version of it that i want to get to but we'll see if i can play the white thong not that (laughs) Tara also wrote in, in regards to episode 193, saying, I really just have a small thing to say for this episode, as I don't have a lot of time, and that's on the topic of Kickstarter sequels. No, we don't need sequels, but we don't need games. Do we want them? Yes. And if there are enough people who want them, they will be funded. If there aren't, then they don't get their funding. No problem. We don't need any of this shit that gets put out, but obviously people want them, so they will be made. Why do you care? We all want original ideas, yeah? But we want to see the games we love brought back as well. Not every single one of them, obviously, but a lot of people want that. I see this brought up a lot with series, such as Fallout and Final Fantasy and Fire Emblem and Gothic and even things like Diablo. In the film area, Star Trek, Star Wars, Batman, Spider-Man. Yeah, they're coming out. The reboots end. <laughs> they're coming out because people want them. And they want to see what comes up with those series and those characters, that world. I guess when you ask, do we need them? Yes, we do. We need the old old ideas and we need the new ideas. We need the old to stimulate the ideas for the new. And we need the new to become the old to create the new. Wow. 
Ter- it's like a riddle wrapped up in a conundrum within a puzzle. Within an enigma. Within an enigma. Yes. And it's like in a giant donut. Mmm. Mm, donut. <laughs> Thank you for that point of view, Terry. I think it's it's accurate. I don't know which of us said, do these need to be made versus do we want them? I think my concern was that what's going to happen to the opportunities for all games that are funded on Kickstarter when we have the first fan-funded game that sucks? Yeah. And are we going to have a, a Mass Effect 3-type reaction? That burn and pillage the Kickstarter! Duke Nukem 5 was going to be epic! Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I definitely, I agree with Tara. I, she's saying that we want the ideal scenario. We want both. Right. I think that is what everybody wants. And hopefully most of what we get is going to be awesome. I would like to see some new, you know, IPs emerge that we haven't been exposed to over and over again. Like the never-ending Spider-Man and Batman reboots just Ugh. bother me. You know, I know that we're we're looking at like the last Spider or Batman reboot was actually really good. It was way better, I believe, than the, the original movies. But the Spider-Man reboot, it's just like really. It's like after, you know, somebody dies and you make a joke about it the next day. It's kind of like too soon. I think it's yeah. still too soon, you know? We recorded an Airship Travelogues podcast with the creator of CoronaComingAttractions.com mm-hmm. this week. And so it was all movies. And so we were talking about all the movies coming out this summer. And on the topic of the newest Spider-Man movie, he's like, yeah, that's probably going to be a hit because it's a Spider-Man movie, but the thing is, is everybody that he's talked to, and my general vibe is, nobody's really that interested or excited about it. Yeah. Especially since it's like, yet again, an origin story, and it's been like, what, seven years since last time? Well, then there was like, the Superman series with Christopher Reeve, then they did the reboot with, um, I forget the guy's name, and now they've re-rebooted that. Yeah, they're doing that again. Right? And it... This is what's going to help contribute to the death of superhero movies. Yeah. Is this endless regurgitation Right. Of origin stories, no less. Yeah, it's, oh, I know. On. I don't want to see Spider-Man get his powers again. I want him to do something interesting. Yes. That's know? what was cool about the Batman movies. Yeah. Because that uh, origin stuff was kind of there, but it wasn't the total mean folks. Yeah, do for God's sakes, if you're Marvel, do the secret world thing. Yeah. Which would be way cool. And yeah. if you're DC, go deep into one of your graphic novels and do something like Red Sun or something, which is like... What if Superman had landed in Soviet Russia instead of Kansas? What would that have been like? That's a cool concept. It is a really cool concept, and it would be unique and different, and it wouldn't be the same damn thing over and over again. I am just tired of it. Sorry. Thank you, Tara, for getting getting us going. (laughs) As always, appreciate it. Yes. Thank you both to Jeff and Tara. Yeah. And to everybody who writes in. We look forward to hearing your input on this episode as well on any things you want to make rile up mark's passions yeah. with send them to mail m-a-i-l at channelmaster.com this is the part of the show where we discuss what we've been doing tonight there are only two of us so it will probably take four times longer than usual <laughs> um so so noah what have you been playing in the last week in the last week, I have played 
one game of League of Legends. It was really frustrating. And I had this weird feeling when I started. It's like, I haven't been playing this as religiously as I used to. And not because I was angry, as in the times past when right. I stopped playing. <laughs> Screw this game, I'm not playing anymore. Why isn't Kogma OP? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had a bad game. And of course I was immediately inspired. This is the total crack version of it. I wanted to play another game, but it was late. I had podcasts mm. to edit. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. And I really am having difficulty committing to my vow to learn a different character. Oh. And Riot is releasing new champions that are really cool. Right. And I'm like, wow, I totally should buy that. And there's been some who I, I have bought, and I still don't play them. And so it's almost like a destructive and un, unfulfilling experience. And so fortunately, there's Mass Effect 1 out there. And I know this is probably weird that I'm still just as in love with this game series, in spite of how much bullshit we talk about Mass, uh, Effect, Mass 3. Effect 3. But I will be one of those people that gets all the way to the end of Mass yeah. Effect 3. Mark I my words! And I just love Mass Effect 1. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play it that much because it was Easter weekend and there was all this family stuff going on. So instead, there... Gosh, we played some. Ta- we played a card game. Holy cow! You, got, you was kicked it old school, huh? Quite. Yes, yeah, very tactile. Did you drink whiskey and make sure that that old varmint gambler didn't cheat that Ned Williams feller? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> and in addition to that, I started up Xenoblade. Apparently. Oh wow! The all, the best. Some people have been saying this is the best role playing game of the generation of this current video game generation. Right. They're definitely saying it's the best RPG on Wii, because it's exclusive to Wii, and it was, was fought and struggled for. There was petitions online, groups of people organizing. They made it happen. Uh, they finally got released over here the, last week. I finally got a chance to start it up last night, and it's a lot like an MMO. Hmm. It's very open world. You can venture into areas that you are definitely not equipped to right. go into and get your butt kicked, and for the Wii... The game looks really good, and what's cool is the whole world, you can see way off in the distance, and you can go wherever you want. Wow. And what's cool is the world takes place on the body of a gigantic titan, essentially. Oh, that's cool. There's in this... the armpit, or some other area? No, just like over the entire body. Oh, okay. Um, wow, there's a couple areas that could be kind of dicey. Yeah. <laughs> so there's these two titans, one that was kind of robotic, and one that was more organic, earth-like, yeah. fighting, and they struck death blows on each other, and their bodies have just remained their corpses have just remained there oh, wow. and like a whole world and civilization has sprung up on the earth version one and then there's these robotic monsters that have started to invade running across the sword that's stuck in the titan oh wow. robotic monsters from the robotic one have started to invade the human side mm, weird and it's apparently really dark and has twists and some great uh some interesting combat but it's it's pretty similar to mmos in that Hmm. Creatures are there. You engage them if you want to. It's not random surprise battles like in Final Fantasy. Uh, and hmm. you have a set of abilities that you have to queue up, and they have cooldowns. And your party members, meanwhile, do their own thing while they run around. And you have to constantly position yourself because some abilities. Is it, is it like real time or is it a yeah. strategic? Oh wow! Yeah, it's real time. Can you pause and can like? No. Ooh, that makes it really. Yeah, and hard. you have to reposition yourself because some attack moves are best executed if you hit the enemy on their side oh, or if you hit them snap. from behind. 
So there's an aggro meter, and your your party members will display whether they have aggro or not. Oh, that's cool. And so then that means that the monster minimal, will like... focus on them, and so then you run behind and wow. do your little special attacks, which of course have to be cooled down. Damn. But uh, it's pretty cool. There's Sounds a lot of cool. camera controlling, but one of the things that I thought was really cool is there's buildings inside this one of the big cities, the first one that you're in. Oh, uh-huh. And you can actually see through the windows and see inside the building. Wow. And you can see the environment, and then you can go in, and it's like everything, it's just it's real. Whereas I'm so used to buildings in most role-playing games and videos. Right. There's facades and there's windows. Yeah, but they're not real. But once you go into the door, there's a loading screen. City of Heroes, remember? Yeah. It looked so accessible, but nothing was. It's not really there. Right. And so that was just like a little detail that really stuck out to me, aside from just the vast, vast vistas. Right. And that when you enter a town... It, like it shows a silhouette of the gigantic titan and it's like you are here and right now i'm on the titan's chin oh nice <laughs> i'm not sure how it's going to play shin out journeying all over this yeah. body this titan that's covered in jungle and waterfalls and all this oh, other that stuff that's cool but, uh pretty pretty interesting it's a japanese Epic. rpg so there's not really any a jrpg uh flexible storyline like bioware right. Which is what I love about Mass Effect. So, yeah. but uh, it's how still good. hard is it to juggle those two? It's going to be a little bit difficult. I wanted to play both of them last yeah. night, but I was so tired. Just like I played Xenoblade and I went to bed. My my thing is when I play an RPG, I it's not like like I can read like two or three books at a time. Right? See, I can't do that, and and that doesn't bother me. But RPGs, I have to like play them linearly. I have got to play it from beginning to end, which is why with like the well, we'll get to my segment later, but it's why I do things the way I do it. I just can't concentrate that way. That's my fear is I've actually never tried this before. Yeah. Uh, and I have a feeling that I'm going to be like, how do I play that other game right. again? What's going Context on? Context switch not working. Yeah, so and of the two, Mass Effect's going to win that battle. Yeah. I, I <laughs> it's going to be the one I finish first, but do I pause between Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 to finish up Xenoblade. Oh, that, I'm not that sure. might be legitimate, yeah. Or I can just try to play them both. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So that's my what I've been playing. Oh. Well, mine's pretty simple. I've been playing um, Spider-Man Friend or Foe with my uh, little five-year-old boy. Um, and that's been interesting to see him get pretty darn good with it. So Nice. Um, he was not too bad when he was like four at Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but still not, you know, not as good as a regular player, but he's getting really good at this one, so <laughs> we're probably ready f- to move on to that when we finish. Um, I think we're probably about halfway through it, so it's been really fun. Wow. And um, more than halfway, actually. And then um, for RPGs, I've been, or, you know, computer gaming, I have I have forsworn any involvement with League of Legends, which is going to be a real shock to anyone, except that I've said that for the last two weeks, so maybe not. And I've been just concentrating on um, Star Wars The Old Republic. The single-player story really has me. Um, you know, there's a lot of people um, that I know that are playing on the server, so Jason's playing right now, which is fun. Um, a guy I work with is playing. Um, Scott, military Scott, and Southern Fried Scott are playing. So there's people I can, you know, I can get together with. And um, not me. Noah is dead to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's been it's been pretty fun. I'm really close to the end of the of my storyline, and so that's just got me going. Like any Bioware game or any good RPG. As things start to get to that climax, and you know you're finally going to have the big reveal or whatever, 
I just have trouble putting it down and become quasi-obsessive about it. So I'm right there, you know, I'm at like level 47, almost 48. There's not much for me to do um, to finish it up, and I'm really excited for it. And I fi- feel like I finally figured out how to actually play the darn game by now. Wow. So as far as, like, if I were to start another character, I think I could just, like, fly through. I know how to, you know, make money. I know what I need to be doing and stuff. Um, so, you know, kind of like after you get like a character fairly far along with World of Warcraft, you get that feeling. But in this one, it's taken me just a little longer to feel like I really know what I'm doing. But Well, now um, the legacy patches finally come out. Yeah, that's going to be cool. So I have two characters that are above level 10. One's my level 47 Sith Warrior and the other one's my Sith Sorceress. So I'm debating whether to make them brother and sister or father and daughter or... <laughs> Are, uh, uh, they can be married. There's all these different things you can do in the legacy system to establish your family tree. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be interesting if they were married because then their kids would surely be able to tap into both sides of their abilities. So you could potentially have like a um, Republic uh, smuggler character that just happens to be able to, when angered, do a forced choke or something, which would be really funny. So, you know, I'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The storyline's good. Uh, one of my friends from work has started to play the same character and so or a class, and we've been talking, and he's like, man, I love your storyline. And I have his storyline, which is the Sith Sorcerer, on my lower-level character, and I love that one, too, and I'm kind of debating finishing that one, too. <laughs> so, But um, I don't think I'm going to be able to do my Mass Effect plan um, to play through those anytime soon because I think I'll have this finished just in time for Diablo 3 to come out, yeah. which is, of course, a you know world-ending event in my life. So um, there probably won't be playing much playing of anything else but Diablo 3, I would imagine, at least till... And then there's also going to be Torchlight 2, yeah. which I'm really looking forward to. That both, should be cool, too. I think both Scott and I got gave it a chance played that at PAX last year and liked it quite a bit and it was I really liked Torch cool Light. I thought that was really cool and that this one has multiplayer and yeah. you can play single player or multiplayer with the exact same character you don't have to make oh, additional awesome. characters or accounts just jump in and jump out and then the randomly generated dungeons just like Diablo 3 yeah. of course now it's the very unenviable position I think that Runic mistakenly assumed that Diablo 3 would probably not come out until like yeah, June or maybe in yeah, Thanksgiving yeah now it's like, oh crap, Diablo 3 is coming out before Torchlight 2. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be kind of like saying, um, you know, Star Wars The Old Republic is out, but or it's going to come out, but before that comes out, we're going to, you know, we're going to have this little free-to-play game or something like that, or we'll we'll respin up Star Wars um, Galaxies Galaxies for a while, and then and Just people for would be like... And then, and then Star Wars... Uh, the Old Republic comes out sooner, and they're like, oh, no, no, hell no. So, I don't know. You know, Torchlight was cool when you didn't have a new Diablo, but with Diablo yeah. coming out, I think its mass is going to just, you know, grab all those players, especially all the, like, Blizzard fanboys like myself that would be happy with anything they came out with. And we're all, except for, um, you know... Star Control Ghost, and we're all just going to be like, oh, it's so awesome, and be in our own little, you know, zen kind of moment for about a year. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I don't, I'm not sure who from Runic said this, but they said, ideally the game will come out at two to three weeks after Diablo 3. Wow. 
And they're like, we don't want to be seen. Ideally. And the game's still going to be sold for 20 bucks, just like the original game, which yeah, is a, which is a great price point. deal. Because apparently this game is three times longer than the original Torchlight. I think what they should do is really focus on multiplayer elements that Diablo 3 can't compete with to give it kind of that... Unique flavor. Yeah, like maybe come up with like some like, you know, something, grab something from an MMO, like a 16-man dungeon raid or something like that that's just unheard of, and you know, that can't be done in Diablo 3. I don't know, though. Who am I to say? But that's what I've been playing, so looking forward to that one, too. Excellent. So while Bioware made a panel just to talk about Mass Effect 3 at PAX, a panel was also made to talk about Dragon Age and what's going on, what's the latest with Dragon Age. You can have this expansion. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah, so it was probably, like the Mass Effect panel, a bit of damage control since word had leaked out that the Dragon Age 2 expansion pack or content had been canned. But apparently Dragon Age 3, although not confirmed, is still in early planning and development stages. And the panel at PAX was used, at PAX East, was used to talk about what shape Dragon Age 3 could take. And Bioware wanted to take use this panel as an opportunity to explain that, hey, we do listen to you, and we're taking a few pieces of input particularly into account. Then those were relating to allow me to make choices that matter, don't repeat content, and something else that. Oh, like um, uh, more uh, like open world kind of stuff. Less linear. So, I think you know they said they were gonna they were gonna borrow a bit from Skyrim. They were gonna, um, you know, try to like you say make things decisions matter it's like the big thing and I think that's an interesting thought I think um, Dragon Age 1 despite that when you transition from place to place there'd be a big map and you'd say I want to go to this place you wouldn't actually walk there kind of Mm -hmm. like you would in an MMO or in Skyrim Um, but it had a real epic feel to it because you were all over the map of Mm -hmm. this world Whereas Dragon Age 2 felt really confined to the city that you would unlock these kind of different zones of it. But you never really felt like you could really... You know, it just didn't seem to have the same scope. Even though the content might have been roughly equal, it felt kind of small and constrained to me. So I think what a lot of people want is more of an epic feel, which is really kind of an intangible quality to to ask for. But I think they want that. And I think when they say that maybe they're going to... You know, borrow a bit from Skyrim. Maybe that's where they're headed with more of a just, hey, you know, it's more of an open world. It would be a kind of an interesting direction for them to take, to go in more of that like Fallout Three slash Skyrim direction than mm-hmm. their, you know, really cool way of he- telling a story, but where, you know, it is kind of in a way on rails. I mean, you know, if they made it a little less. Um, a little less kind of um, deterministic as far as your path goes. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought. I hope they do do some 
radical departures from what they've done before and still are able to tell an epic tale or you know keep that narrative together somehow something that they mentioned was that they wanted to also allow previous player choices from dragon age one and two right carry over into three by importing save file data now from what i understand i haven't played the dragon age games but i thought that the story of dragon age two is pretty it was it took Placed decades after the first yeah, and one, it's didn't a it? different character, yeah. So I don't know. So I'm curious, did any characters carry over? There was like one or two, wasn't well, there? Well, yeah, Alistair some carry Alistair over? and yeah, there's some and yeah, the, some of the characters do carry over, but I just don't understand how they could make that work. I think I would personally rather my Dragon Age one character carry over than my Dragon Age two character. I, I yeah. don't know. I just liked him better. Um, liked what he was about, even though I chose kind of this. I tried to make the second one a image, you know, a mirror image of the first one. But um, I think they should probably. I would prefer for them to go with a unique character for this that doesn't have, you know, like a specific name or anything like that. It, I, I know it's harder for the narrative to do that, but it'd be kind of cool. They seem to have pulled it off with them. Um, Star Wars Old Republic as far as you can have a different character name you know what's scripted in the in the yeah, cutscenes what do you think about this request the the third oh, request I remember the re uh, items for your characters equipment for followers yeah yeah equipment for followers how important is that I don't know you know they have that in um, Star Wars Old Republic so we know they can do it and to me it becomes kind of a it's more of a burden I guess it's more to manage, isn't it's it? It's a lot more to manage, and it's it's like, you know, I believe the way you did equipment for characters in 2 was you would just kind of, it was kind of like a waterfall thing. You'd get all this stuff together, and then boom, they'd have the new outfit. All of it. Good. You couldn't just, like, you didn't mix and match. You didn't say, well, now I'll get actually plus 4 if I use this sword. So, you know what I'm saying? They didn't. You didn't have to, like, totally move it all around, and it wasn't, you know... Um, down to each body part or whatever, and I I just think that that is um, just kind of a pain in the ass personally. I'd I'd really rather the characters yeah. level up, and I'd like them to be able to you know you you to be able to buy sets for them like yeah just maybe, optimize it. maybe a new weapon maybe weapons and armor could be split out or you know something like that or spells maybe could be split out even I don't know but. The idea of micromanaging all of that for all your champion or all your companions, you know, of which you would have more than one with you at any time, that could be really a pain in the butt. So, and it kind of is for Star Wars: um, The Old Republic, in my opinion. You know, not that I want them to take it away. I'm used to it now, but I kind of would prefer it to be simpler. Yeah, especially if you're just going to go into the inventory and just say, pick the best. Yeah, it. I'd rather I'd rather the game itself be more about really cool combat mechanics mm -hmm. with you know really fine control over your character and his companions i would like the world to be way more you know expansive and to have it be travel through the world a lot or, less repetition reused yeah, assets and so exactly like a lot of a lot of um, content clearly outside of the main story arcs mm -hmm. that's just cool stories that you run into you know almost haphazardly yeah. Um, and on, still, it's also an ep story that, you know, kind of moves things along from Dragon Age. I still think Dragon Age 1 is maybe my favorite RPG 
um, to date. Just the way they did so many things in it was so cool. Um, it's kind of hard to beat. So if they could head more in that direction and less in the Dragon Age 2 direction, I think I'd be a lot happier, personally. But with some of that stuff from Bethesda thrown in, you know, I, I think that might might be cool. Just, I don't want it to be totally open world, totally sandboxy, you know. Got Minecraft for that, so. Exactly. You know. Let us know, listeners, what you think Dragon Age 3 should be. Yeah. What would be the best components to make a really good third iteration and restore the luster and glow and favor to the Dragon Age franchise, which was tarnished a little bit with Dragon Age 2. Some people yeah. really liked it. I know that you I loved liked it. a lot of the aspects of it, it, it was It was funny because as I was playing it, I was like, this is great. After, well, after I came to grips with the interface, which was based on the um, uh, Mass Effect 2 interface, sort of, after I came to grips with that, yeah. the change from 1 to 2, I really liked it. I really liked my character and everything. But after I was all done and it had some time to reflect, it seemed kind of like a pale shadow of Dragon Age 1 to me. And the time spent in the two games is nowhere near even close. Dragon Age 1, I spent way more time playing it. It's funny you say that because that's what I've heard about Mass Effect 1 versus Mass Effect 2 is that you could spend tons of hours in 1 and 2, it's much more streamlined and And it zips you through. I think part of that's just a function of their whole 18 months to release a new uh, sequel, right? I agree. I think when you do that, you just don't have the time to put that stuff together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts, though. What you yeah. think would make this happen? Send them in. And we're going to take a quick break before we get into our next roundtable talk about adult-only games. Do you think, Mark, that's Steam becoming prolific or on live or Gaikai? being new standards, do you think that that will break down this wall and we'll start seeing AO games? Yeah, I, th- I actually do, thanks to digital distribution and streaming stuff. I I, I could see it happening. Uh, Would you so. want it to? Do you think there's benefit to it? Yeah, but and, and not just because it's um, content is sexual in nature. Um, I think you know, there's other things that an adult rating... Would I think there could be a psychological game. Yeah, that could be that you just really wouldn't want a kid playing, you know. Um, I, 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 even, a, even a teen, you know, up to the age of 18. I think once you're, once you're old enough to go serve in the military, I think you should be treated like an adult, um, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> if you can go do that, then... So, like, you know, I... I I think if you're 18 and over, which I think is the criteria, right, for adults only, um, you know, I think under that, though, even even at, like, 16, I think, when I think back to where I was mentally, I think some, something that's, like, a really weird psychological thriller game or something that just messes with you, uh, I I don't know that I'd want to expose that to, like, my own kids when they were that age, I think, so, so that's a really good point. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think when you think adult only, don't just think of it as, like, you know, porn, but, or, you know, we, it's funny because in in the States, United States, we're a little bit backwards in what we find offensive for children. Mm-hmm. Like, we will not, we will balk at letting a kid see a boob, you know, a breast or whatever. Um, as though that is the worst thing possible, but we will allow at the same age for the kid to see like somebody's head virtually blown apart in um, 
a movie or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. the way the rating systems work for graphic, which in, you know, like other countries like in Europe and stuff, yeah. it's the other way around. Violence is more strictly, violence is what you're being careful about. And the uh, more, you know, like nudity and stuff like that isn't viewed as shocking and sinful, yeah. so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be good. And I definitely think digital distribution makes it possible the only limitation would be the platform, you know, like, you know, if you wouldn't want like something too crazy for a Wii or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, likewise, you know, for Xbox, it's my son can now navigate through the 360 menus and he's he's been able to do that actually for about a year pretty seamlessly can get to pretty much anything he wants. So it would, it would be nice to have like a parental control or something like that if you're going to have content like this for a 360 or PlayStation. Yeah, you know, just block like games that. that carry this rating. Yeah, but I think I think it's definitely possible, and I don't. I think there could be some stuff that it it'd be warranted. Actually, there is some science fiction and fantasy stuff that I've read that. I would not want my kid to read until they were an adult. And I know because I tried to understand it at the age of 12 and didn't get it. And having reread it as, you know, a 40-something guy, it made total sense to me now, and I was able to understand it. So I could see some content that could be really good, because that's some of the best science fiction and fantasy stuff I've ever read. Mm -hmm. But it's really not accessible to somebody that's not you know, fully developed, not that any of us ever are, but, you know, somebody that's, you know, technically an adult, um, yeah. and trying to think of, like, what it could contain, what the content could be, like you say, I like the psychological kind of, you know, suicide stuff, yeah, just the subject matter itself could be heavy, something related to cults, yeah, maybe, really scary stuff, like, you know, not saw scary, but, like, seriously scary, where, yeah, you know, the scariest movies to me are the ones not where it's supernatural, but where there's just some crazy dude that could actually exist in the world. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure a guy with a pumpkin head isn't going to come and wake me up tonight. But I don't know. <laughs> hey, that, dude. <laughs> where's the Cheetos? You know, yeah, I don't. But I don't know about the crazy dude, you know. or Yeah. Or somebody with a cause. Yeah, racist type stuff. Yeah. Stuff with related well, yeah. to race. Right. Yeah. Um, even if it was like an adult only game that was like a historical kind of in, uh, enactment of something that's pretty mm -hmm. you know dicey you know to discuss or live out in today's you know um yeah there's a lot of subject matter that could be entertainment that would i think would this would be a good classification for I think, you know, the way we had always thought Conan the game should be would have been more of an AO rating. Maybe that was yeah. my confusion. I still haven't figured out what the rating for Unchained is, but, um, because I don't want you to That's hear right, it was because it was going to be unrated. It was originally going to be called Unrated. Yeah, so... And um, then they changed it to Unchained. for the life of me, just looking through the site, figure out what its rating is, nor does Wikipedia help me. Um, so maybe that was my confusion. But what we thought... Age of Conan would be versus what it was. It was still pretty cool and pretty dark. Yeah. But there's a whole other level of darkness that it could have, yeah. you know, taken. So uh, I would love to see games like that. And, you know, as long as you've protected the kids from running into it, I think mm -hmm. it'd be cool. I think they're. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to develop a game like that personally. It seems like you're limiting your audience too much. But if somebody could, I think that to be a specialty of yours, like Clive Barker. 
would be oh, qualified yeah. mm-hmm. to come up with material for something like that. Yeah, where, yeah, that's all they think about. <laughs> he can't think of My Little Pony. No. No. It's it gotta, doesn't make sense. It just wouldn't, it doesn't work in that, like that, yeah. Cool, cool topic, though. Yeah. And listeners, that is the end of our episode 194. We are, as you say, spent. Yes. Uh, Metaphorically and literally. Literally. Figuratively and literally. Yes. But we would love to hear about your idea for a great adults-only game. Yeah, absolutely. That you think would benefit from a relaxation or an ability to be able to successfully distribute your game. Yeah. Or if there's a game out there that you think would have been better if it didn't have to have been, if it didn't have to be cleansed, so to speak, or cleansed. simplified. Make it clean. Yeah. Would there is there such an example out there? And if you have anything else that you want to talk to us about, have you gotten into Old Republic's legacy system and have some feedback or thoughts on that? Do you, is it as revelatory as you were hoping? Right. Or do you think that more could be done with it? And if so, what? Send any of that stuff over to mail. M-A-I-L. As always, thank you very much for listening to the show. We love hearing from you, and we're really happy that you like listening to us every week. Speaking yeah. of, we'll be back. Yep. We're getting close to 200. Week. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and also don't forget to tell us your thoughts on Dragon Con versus Pax. Yeah, we really want to hear that one. Yeah. So send all that in. We look forward to it. Warcraft for ten years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.